Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Dishonest. Goosebumps. Unreliable. Invisible. On demand. Flawed. Irrelevant. Hateful. Killjoy. Evil. Fraud. Heartless. Unstable. Liar. Ignorant. Absent. That's, That's not my God. God. I know that's intense. You're like, what are we going to talk about? Um, if you're brand new, my name's David, and I do love you. This is not going to be an overly intense time, but, but I want to talk about something that I have seen over and over, and actually, to be very vulnerable with you. This whole series comes from my heart. I don't know if you've ever been here. I hope so, otherwise the sermon series is exclusively just for me. But I don't know if God has ever done something that you did not approve of. I don't know if God, your God, has ever not intervened or maybe he's allowed something to happen and you didn't agree with it. So much so that, that your version of God got pretty messed up. So you need to know that I've been there before. <laughs> you need to know that God has done many things and not done many things that I completely disagreed with. And there's a problem in this. The problem is, is that you and I, when we say, when we're open and honest, and we're like, you know what? I want to love God. I want to follow God. I want God to give me peace and strength. I want God to provide for me. And there's these things about God that we're excited about. But then, uh, I don't know if you know you're allowed to say this in church, but uh, he doesn't show up. And you've had these moments where you're like, this is a bit different than my perspective. In fact, many of us right now are worshiping a God or, or pursuing or seeking out a God that may not be real. Let me give you a quote. It's not mine. It's Mark Twain. Mark Twain said this, God created man in his own image. If you've read the Bible, you know that. God created man in his own image, and man, being a gentleman, returned the favor. For those of you like, David, I'm just going to need a little bit of help with that one. Uh, I don't read a whole lot. <laughs> it, it means that God made you and I and created an image. We're, we're made in his image. But then you and I spend a good portion of our life mixing up our own concoction of a God to where, right now, you and I may, may be guilty of this, and I, I'm, I'm with you, 
that maybe the God that you're pursuing, seeking, following, loving, that you're all about, maybe that God is a mixture of portions that are in the Bible. <laughs> you're like, I, I read the Bible a little bit, I know. But maybe also included in your version of God and mine. Maybe a portion is not accurate, and it's more about our opinion. Or what we think should be all that God is. When your friend or your family member gets diagnosed with cancer, and you're like, the God I believe in wouldn't do that. When you lose someone that you love way too early and you're like, that's not my God. That's not the God that I've been worshiping or, or that I hope for. When tragedy happens in the world and you're like, that doesn't go along with the God that I'm trying to be about. When you're bullied at school over and over and you're going, I thought God was going to protect me. I thought God was going to help me. And you don't feel protected or helped in any way. Yeah, I think the bumper does well at bringing us into a pretty intense conversation. Here's the question. What if my God is not the God? What if you and I right now and not because you're trying to do it on purpose, not because I'm trying to do it on purpose, but what if the God that you and I are pursuing or expecting to intervene and do amazing, what if, what if that God is a mixture of our opinions, our wants, our desires, our, our view of the world, what we think is good, what we think is bad? What if it's a mixture and it's not accurate? Well, uh, I don't have to give you my opinion, which is beautiful because frankly, I don't want to give it to you. <laughs> I, I want you to see what the Bible teaches that if, if you're following a fake God, if you don't know this whole fake God conversation, it's been happening for uh, thousands of years. Uh, people making up their own version of God. And in fact, uh, if you go way back to the very beginning of time and human beings, we've been conjuring up our own opinion of God. But I want to take you somewhere maybe you've been before. Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. If you sit here for a while, you're like, wait, I don't have all that I need. <laughs> Could it be you don't have all that you need because you're following a God that does not exist? There's a beautiful thing that says the Lord is my shepherd, the one true God. There's only one God. I don't mean to break some of your hearts. There's only one God. There's not multiple gods. Not all gods mean the same God. There's just one God. The God is our shepherd and the one and only God. If you let him shepherd you, you will have all you need. But if, if you're buying into something that's made up, you're going to find yourself going, why don't I ever have what I need? You keep reading Psalm 23 and there's a lot to learn. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leaves me beside peaceful streams. If right now, just do a bit of an inventory right now, if you lack peace and rest, 
maybe it's not your kid's fault. You're like, I thought, maybe it's not your boss's fault. Maybe it's not the president's fault. Maybe, maybe, and you got to know that I'm not projecting this onto you. I am with you. This series comes from, from stuff I've had to wrestle with. Perhaps my lack of peace and rest is because I followed a God that I made up on my own. There's more. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. If you've ever found yourself in the wrong place, (laughs) and you're like, why did God make me go here? Well, maybe he didn't. Maybe he actually led you in the right place. But you went with a version of God that's made up because of how you and I see the world. See, the tragedy, the tragedy in following a God of opinion or of culture is that you and I will find ourselves lacking a great deal of peace and rest and strength and listen, and then we're going to reject the real God because the fake God failed us. And it would break my heart if you rejected the real God, the God that loves you, that made you, if you rejected him, because of something else that was made up. I think one of Satan's prime tactics is to get you and I to make up our own God because he knows that God. He's going to fail you. But the real God doesn't. So the whole series is built on picking apart uh, the, the fake gods. Let me show you where we'll go with the rest of the series We're going to talk about the goosebumps God. A good God always makes me feel something. Sometimes like, you know, I just haven't haven't felt the presence of God anymore. And if he was real, he would kind of make me have these emotions and these feelings. And and some of you think that you don't have a relationship with God because you don't feel what other people feel. And you're like, oh, no. Well, we're going to talk about that God, the killjoy God. A good God wouldn't have so many rules. (laughs) The rules and regulations. Some of us are like, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those uh, Christian people because that means you, you don't get to have any fun for the rest of your life. I don't want to sign up for that. And there are these rules and regulations, legalism, that kind of stuff. We're going to pick that apart. A heartless God, perhaps something that every one of us really wrestles with. A good God does not allow pain. Hmm? All of a sudden, you're experiencing pain and you're like, wait a minute. God, you said you loved me. But this really hurts. We're going to deal with those later. (laughs) This weekend, we're going to talk about the on-demand God. The on-demand God. The, 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 okay, here's what I want, God. (laughs) Because I love you. And I want it right now. Now, I'm not trashing on-demand. I have a fond appreciation of on-demand. Oftentimes, Katie... Katie, my wife, she'll say, hey, will you, will you go to the store and get this for me? I'm like, yeah, Amazon, here we go. I mean, I, I, don't, know if you have, I don't know if you have a love for Amazon. Uh, I do. Now, now I, there's, there's this powerful beauty in on-demand, like, what do you need? You just go to the internet, 
you tell the internet what you want and it arrives at your door. Some of you, <laughs> you go to places on the internet just to shop and you don't even know what you want yet. You're just like, I bet I need something. Let's go find out what I need. Uh, you're elbowing people. Um, on demand is, I think, changed the game when it comes with shopping. But, but there's more. Transportation. I know it's, it's new to the Black Hills region. But, but elsewhere, there have been these places that, oh, oh, you need a vehicle to show up to your door? You just go on the app and, and that vehicle will show up. Uh, recently, I went to Philadelphia. My dad was having surgery and we were going to be there for a couple days. And so I remember being at the hotel we were staying at and we needed to get to the hospital. The problem was this. It was the very day that the Philadelphia Eagles were having their parade for their stupid Super Bowl win. <laughs> see, that, see, some of you are questioning God because you're like, how did he let the Eagles win? So it's not in my notes. I need to stay on track. But when they shut down all the roads and you need to get to the hospital, guess what you do? You got a problem. Unless there's Uber. <laughs> and we were able to get a car to pull right up and take us, and it was awesome. On demand is awesome. I, there, I remember as a family, we start off early on, we would have these, these family movie nights, and you would have to go someplace and maybe rent a movie and make a decision like uh, early on, and then you'd have to return that thing. Nowadays, you're like, hey, let's sit down at the TV. What do you want to watch? And on demand... You can have it right then and there. You don't seem as impressed as I am. Okay, okay. Well, uh, the, the co-founder of Twitter said this, and I, I think it's very true. The internet makes human desires more easily attainable. I would agree wholeheartedly. The problem is, some of us are like, yeah, that's cool. I love this on-demand thing. I can, I can get a transportation. I can, I can get a movie. I can, I can get what? The problem is, is we think that we can zone off this on-demand world, right? Where shopping and transportation and media, we think we can zone it off and not allow it to affect all of our relationships. Meanwhile, in the real world, <laughs> If a person doesn't do exactly what you want, right when you want, you're like, you are dead to me. If a restaurant, can you believe this, messes up your order, you're like, I can't believe we came here. We're never coming back again. Do you see that on demand, getting exactly what you want, exactly when you want it, I think, has infiltrated our relationships. Not on purpose. We're, we're not bad people for it. It's just because we aren't good enough at zoning off certain parts of life. And you definitely better believe that this on-demand world that we live in that's only going to get more and more on-demand, you better believe that it's affected or it's going at your relationship with God. Do not be so naive 
to think that the world and what we go through, what we walk through, even the great things about this world, don't be naive to think that it can't influence the most important things in your life. Let me, just observation about on-demand. An on-demand approach to God tempts us to believe God exists to grant our wishes. And I think some of us are wrestling with the reality of a loving, good God because he didn't give you what you wanted. Can you be that honest and open? Okay, I confess. I have many days (laughs) that I want God to do what I want him to do, and when he doesn't do it, I'm really mad at him. Frustrated with him. And if you, don't, if you don't want to spend the rest of your life building your entire life around the on-demand God, a God that does not exist, he does not exist <laughs> to do whatever you want, whenever you want. He's not a genie or a vending machine. He's not Apple Music. He's not Netflix. He's God. God is amazing. The one God, the only God, he's absolutely amazing. And if you want to spend your life to get to know him, to follow him, to be about him, then I can show you more. Because in that same psalm, there's more for us to learn. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Again, if you're familiar with Psalm 23, maybe you've read it in a different uh, version, but you, you know this. And here's what I know about many of us. That darkest valley, you're like, mm-hmm. Darkest valley, most of us have been in a dark valley, a moment that you're like, this is tough, this is rough, I didn't want to be here, this is bad. Let me ask you a very personal question. Um, when you were in that dark valley, how'd your conversations with God go? Many of us would have to admit that it compromised our view of God. Because some of us think that, okay, a dark valley? Come on, God! I am a follower of yours. I I go to church. I give. I serve. I work with two-year-olds, God. That should be like permanent removal of all dark valleys. Right? You act like you haven't thought these things. So many of us, like, we go through a dark valley, we're like, God, 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 what in the world are you doing? Just a, just a simple observation. Do you see that the writer of this is not blaming God? Even though I am walking through the worst of the worst, even though, do you notice it's not posed differently, like, God, why would you ever make me walk through a dark valley? If you were a good God, why do I have to go through this bad? Why doesn't he do that? It's because God's goodness isn't determined by our valleys. Our valleys, our dark moments, our bad moments, when the doctor looks at you in the face and says, you have cancer, When your spouse looks at you and says, I've been unfaithful. When your kids are failing in school. 
when you lose your job, when you get made fun of, when finances are miserable, none of that bad changes God's goodness. But does it not challenge us? If you are any kind of a normal anyone, when the dark valley comes, you and I wrestle with our view of God. In fact, you're not the only one who's ever wrestled with it, which for me gives me a bit of solace. I, I, I was like, okay, let me show you something in Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? If you translate it, well, do dark valleys separate us from the love of Jesus? When we go through bad, does that mean Jesus doesn't love us anymore? You shall trouble, dark valley, or hardship, dark valley, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Hopefully this makes a lot of sense now. Can a dark valley, does a dark valley mean God is not good, he does not love you, you are now separated from the goodness of God, you don't get that good part of God, does it separate us? Verse 37, nope. But we probably need more than that, okay. No, no. Some of you need to underline that. Maybe you should get that tattooed. I don't know. No. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. That dark valley you can conquer. Listen, that dark valley you can conquer. Through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, uh, dark valley, neither angels or demons, uh, demons I think, fall in the dark valley part. Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Your current dark valley or your future dark valley, listen to me closely, does not redefine God's goodness. Nothing can. You and I, if you want, get to spend eternity with God in paradise. I think anything that happens during our brief life here doesn't even compare to eternity. And that's where we get this whole perspective thing. God's goodness isn't limited by our perspective. Sometimes we let the valley redefine God, but sometimes it's just what we see. I love the idea of the dark valley. You know, in a dark valley, typically you're not seeing too well, huh? <laughs> in a dark valley, oftentimes you don't see everything that you should see. If you've never gone maybe mountain climbing or done anything, you understand that you typically are able to see the valley better for the higher you go. But in the valley, most of us can't see very far in front of our own face. And we think that our view of life, at least what I think, I get tempted to believe that my view, what I see, my, uh, my advice to God is accurate. 
God, here's what you should do. I mean, this is, if, if you're good, I have pretty much put together a plan for you just to kind of stamp, if you would just stamp that and go about doing that. Oftentimes, I'm tempted to think that my perspective of life is completely perfect. I know some of you are like, you arrogant. I know. No, I'm just, I think many of us have also done this. We think that our perspective, we think what we see, what we know is the full story. Meanwhile, God doesn't focus in on the temporary. Did you know that? God's highest value is what happens forever. But our highest value has a tendency to be what happens today. But God's like, but eternity matters more. Uh, I have frequent conversations with my kids. This might shock you. Um, do you know that my children do not always agree with me? <laughs> Anyone else? Okay. It appears to be we're not the only family. Do you know that I've had conversations about, about different things, uh, perspectives in life and what we should do and not do and things like that? And they have looked at me and was like, hmm, Mm-mm. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, you're eight years old. What? But I think most of us, if you know me well enough, maybe you don't, but I'm going to tell you, I love my kids so much. I do. I would lay my life down if it were to save my kids. But I don't have to agree with my kids, and they don't have to agree with me. In fact, I think bad parenting is trying to get your kids to agree with everything. Could God be taking the same posture you and I should take as parents? Let me show you what the Bible speaks to on this. In Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Some of you are going to quote this to your kids now. I would be just <laughs> caution you. I may have quoted it before. Okay, anyway, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Children, no, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are, are your ways my ways. In other ways, if you're not... He's, God is saying, hey, your perspective is not my perspective. And God's saying that his perspective wins out. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but if I were to ask... Would you raise your hand, but don't? <laughs> if this is difficult for you, I think most of us would be willing to raise our hands and say, but that's so tough. When his ways are not my ways because I want them to be together. <laughs> Especially when you see something that you think is good and you're right, it's good. When you as a couple are trying to have children, but it's not happening, and you're like, this is good, God, why is this not happening? When you lose someone, when you lose something, and you're like, but this is good. His ways are not ours. I'm going to confess something to you right now that you may not like. If you ask me, a reverend, went to stinking seminary, if you ask me, David, can you define God and fully explain him? I'm going to have to look you in the face and say, no. 
because his ways are not my ways. This week I attended the funeral of a friend of mine. She was 37. And I don't have an answer for it. God allows things and doesn't allow things that confuse me. But what I know is that it doesn't change his goodness because his perspective is better than mine. You see the trust that is on the table? Do you see why you and I make up an on-demand God? The reason you and I make up an on-demand God is because we don't trust him. I know it's like, whoa. But it's true, is it not? The places that we do not trust God are the places that we demand things we should never demand of him. And if you want to break out, if you're like, I don't want to serve that God. That's not the God I want to be a part of. Okay, I want the real God, David. I want to serve the real God. Let's go back to verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Oh, I love this part. I wonder what part you're seeing right now. I mean, I, I know some of you, and, and some of you online I can't see you, which I'm grateful for, but um, there's, there are different parts when I read this verse that you're like, this, that, there's something standing out to you right now. For, for some, it's the darkest valley part because that's what you're currently walking through. And you're like, that just is like it's got neon right now. You're like, darkest valley. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe it's the fear part. Maybe you're tempted to live in fear. When you see that word fear, you're like, oh, I wish I wasn't so ruled by fear. Maybe it's the last word, the me word, and it just feels so personal. When you read the Bible, there's a, it just feels so personal, like, oh, this is about me. I would tell you, those are not the most important parts. It's the word you. If you want to get the idea of an on-demand God out of your head, if you want to worship the one true God, that is the biggest deal. God. See, who God is is greater than what God does. For those of you who are concerned right now, I'm not saying what God does is unimportant. You hear me? Recording on videotape, what God does is important. But who God is is more important Who God is? Who? Do you not notice that the writer, I'm in a dark valley, there is evil, and there is fear, but you are with me. The who, focusing on who, many of us, we don't focus on who God is. The presence of God, just his presence is what brings that. Remember that peace part, that strength part, that provision? Just his presence is so powerful, but we have gotten into, but, but God, I know you're with me, that's cool, but here's what I need, right? When he's going, is, is my presence not a big enough deal to you? Again, I have seen this in my relationships with my kids. The other day, I was watching my favorite basketball team play. Our five-year-old Titus came up to me, obviously not aware that dad is doing something very important. He said, hey, dad, will you go upstairs with me to get my transformer? 
I'm like, why? That's parent speak of, no, I'm not going to, but I'm going to try to argue out of this. <laughs> Anyone? No? Why? Why? Why do you need me to go up? You can go up the stairs yourself. You know, I'm scared. That's what he said. I'm scared. I don't want to go up there by myself. I'm scared. It's five. So I felt we should have an intellectual conversation about the fears in life. And you don't need to have this. What's your problem? And I'd be like, you don't need to be afraid as though that's going to help this five-year-old. You don't need to be afraid. Stop being afraid. Stop right now. In my head, I'm going, I mean, the commercial break, man, it's almost over. This is a big deal. And frankly, I'm being lazy as can be. And I'm like, I don't want to go. And, and, he's, and I said, what are you afraid of, right? I didn't mean to say it, it just came out. What are you afraid of? What I did not expect was my five-year-old to then detail everything he was afraid of. <laughs> and it became the cutest thing ever. He's like, oh, oh, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of these. No joke, I'm, you guys think I'm embellishing, I'm not embellishing. I just was like, oh, I, now got, I don't care about the game now. This is, and he's like, these, the zombies. <laughs> and I'm thinking, one, where'd you hear about zombies? <laughs> but he's like, these scare. I was like, oh, but there's, there's, there's no zombies, okay? He's like, yeah, but the monsters, they'll, they'll jump out and get me. But there's, there's, there's no monsters anywhere in our house. He goes, but, but the worst ones. Oh. I said, what are the worst ones? He says, the ghosts. I said, what makes them the worst? And no joke, my cute little five-year-old. He said, it's because they're invisible. And if you've never heard a five-year-old say the word invisible, it's <laughs> got to be the top 10 cutest thing ever, right? The word itself is like, I, can you just, I think I did ask him to say it again just because I wanted to hear it again. And then I realized, you know what? I'm a dad. It's time to be a parent. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. So I got up and went to the edge of the stairs. And he's like, you can just stay right here. <laughs> and we go, okay, right here. And as he went up, I realized what he was asking me. His greatest need not was that dad would come fighting, right? It's that dad would be with him. He didn't ask me to go get the transformer for him. He just wanted to know that dad was with him. And it's in those moments that I get a glimpse of what God is asking of us. is to simply not demand, I need this, I need it right now, and if you don't do it, I hate you. No, he's like, hey, would you just let me be a part of your life? Would you acknowledge who I am? It's why the mission of this church is very simple. We're trying our very best with the power of God to show people who Jesus is. Because if you know who he is, what he can do becomes secondary, awesome, and miraculous. But what's more important is that God, the creator of all, has offered to simply walk life with you through your darkest valley. Let me bring you to something. 1 John 4. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, 
if anyone acknowledges who Jesus is. Do you see how important who is? If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, if anyone acknowledges who Jesus is, he's the Son of God, he's our Savior, then what he does and can do is later on conversations. Why he doesn't do or why he does doesn't have to compromise the fact that God is so good that he would come and intervene in our lives and say, I'll walk life with you. In fact, I'll walk eternity with you. But you need to acknowledge who Jesus is. I would say it's the most important acknowledgement anyone could ever make to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Son of God. And in fact, let's flip the whole conversation. And I got a prayer for you. If you are someone who takes notes, perhaps our prayers will change. If you want to get rid of the idea of this on-demand God, Perhaps, because I don't think it just happens. You've got to pray and, and, and walk this out. God, here I am. Instead of where are you? God, here I am. I serve you. Lead me wherever you want, whether I agree or not, to do whatever you want, whether I like it or not. Do you see the difference? There's an on-demand God that you can follow, but I guarantee you that fake God will disappoint you greatly. And if the prayer itself is not enough for you, let me help for those of you who enjoy music. There's a song that we have sung before and we'll sing it again. It's called Make a Way. Let me show you such awesome lyrics to it. Jesus It's always been you. Jesus, it always is you. Jesus, it always will be you. I, this grabs my soul. If you are in a place right now that you would say, that I'm in a dark valley, and God's not doing what I want him to do, perhaps you should move deeper into the relationship and say, ah, oh, but you are God and my perspective and your perspective are different, you are good. Perhaps if you're in a dark valley, who God is needs to be your focal point. So we're going to do something together. Here it is. There is this to my right and left. Uh, what I'm going to invite you to do, some of you are like, I'm not doing that. Already, you, before I even told you what you're going to do, you're like, mm-mm. Huh? This is our version of a prayer wall, okay? A prayer wall. Maybe you've seen pictures in Israel where people will write prayers and stick it into the wall of the old temple. We made our own version of a prayer wall. If you currently don't know who Jesus is and you don't follow Jesus and you are consumed with what he's doing and you don't know him, then here's what I want you to do today as we sing in a little bit. I want you to write your own name on this piece of paper that's next to the walls. I want you to write your own name. Yeah, your own name. You're like, really? I can pray for myself? Oh, you better believe it. 
then I want you to put it in the wall as a symbol that you need to know who Jesus is. And right now you're like, I'm not sure I know who he is. I'm struggling with this. But for those of you who already know who Jesus is, this prayer wall is still a big deal to you. Because there are people you know who don't know who Jesus is. And they're pursuing the on-demand God that does not exist. And I believe in your heart you want them to know who Jesus is. So while some of the folks are writing their own names, you're going to come up and write the names of people that you hope and pray will know who Jesus is. Now here's the cool part. These prayer walls will be a part of the set for Easter at the Civic Center. And perhaps your direct prayer is this, that God would draw that person, that name, even yourself, to Easter at the Civic Center or fellows at RCMU to, to, to where you guys are and you're like, that God would draw them there. If you read your Bible, you'll learn that people didn't just come and sit in seats to worship God. There was activity. So, I'm going to pray and then you can consider my amen, an invitation to you to write your name or the name of many people and that you stick that into the prayer wall as a symbol of I want this person, I want myself to know who Jesus is because there is nothing better than knowing who Jesus is. So let me pray for all of us and I invite all of us to participate in this. Let's pray. God, this moment you already have authority at this moment, I believe you have drawn us together with your power and your knowledge. You've drawn each of us together and you've, you've, you've taught us something, I believe. God, that if our hearts have been open, you've taught us something. So God, right now I pray for anyone that is listening that you would put on our minds, our hearts, the name of someone who needs to know who you are. God, would you bring names, multiple names, people around us, people, people that we know somewhat or that, that we're even related to, people we work with. God, would you bring those names, flood our mind with these names. And God, would you take the names that are put into these prayer walls and would you draw them to you, God? Would you do something miraculous on Easter in their lives? We hand this time over to you, God, and ask that you do whatever you want done so that the world will know who you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.